It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. At the Super Bowl edition of the Sports Talker, we're going to talk about yesterday's big game. What a win. What a game. Uh, if you're a Patriots fan, you have to be incredibly, incredibly excited, and that will surely be a game that you'll never, never forget. Uh, if you're a Seahawks fan, it's it's quite the opposite. Uh, and just what a gut-wrenching way to lose a game. As a Packers fan, I'm very familiar with what it's like to lose a game uh, that you thought you had uh, and that you had a big lead in and, and everything fell apart at the worst time. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about that game. Pete Carroll's just unbelievable decision to to throw it. And uh, we're, we're going to talk more about that on the show today. And we're even going to talk to someone who was at the Super Bowl uh, who got to take it all in and, and talk about what kind of experience that was. Uh, what he thought of the game and, and kind of the reaction of fans, a very pro Seattle crowd out there. Uh, and that person is no other than my brother, which is uh, which is makes me very, very jealous. Uh, we're, we're obviously a big sports family, and we love to go to games and do this and do that. And me covering Kentucky, I know he's at times jealous of that, uh, but he really won-upped me on the bucket list by – by going to a Super Bowl. I'm not sure if I will ever get to do that or when I'll get to do that, but uh, the, he's out in Phoenix still and uh, so we'll 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 call we'll call into him and and see what it was like to be at that game. Uh, we you know, it, it, I I think the maybe the one year show of the Sports Talkers coming up this week and when we find out the exact date we might have a you know, we might have a little special celebration on the on the air. But I remember it was shortly after the Super Bowl last year, uh, maybe a few days, and we didn't talk anything about it. And, you know, since it's my radio show, sometimes if the Packers aren't involved with NFL football, we don't spend as much time about it. Uh, but but with a game like that, we have to. Uh, so, so we will spend plenty of time talking about that. But we'll also get to talking about Kentucky – basketball they they get a win over alabama they pre they they look ahead to georgia louisville gets a big win against unc and and they'll start a tough stretch or they started a tough stretch and off to a good start in a game that they look like they might have been out of before coming back down 18 in the second half we'll talk a little bit about that it's going to be a jam-packed show i look forward to, to talking about all those things yates how are you doing well tj how about you oh i'm doing fine uh I'm assuming you enjoyed the Super Bowl. Uh, yes, it was enjoyable. It was. It really, really was. Uh, the commercials this year, not. There were some funny ones. It, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't uh, a, pl- a plethora or a quantity of, of funny commercials, but uh, there were a few good ones. But obviously, Yates, the commercial everybody's talking about, the nationwide commercial uh, where the kid dies. What did What did you make of that? Well, I thought the commercials as a whole were unbelievably depressing. That was that was like that was the the flag bearer for the depressing set of commercials. But I I think there were others, in my opinion. But yet that commercial was awful. Like just terrible. Like why would you make a commercial like that? 
it, I mean, I guess it, people are talking about it if that's what your goal is, but wow, that, that commercial was really, really depressing. I, I, I couldn't believe it. I almost thought it was going to be like, a, I thought it was going to be a joke. There's going to be, a, you know, I don't think it's ever funny to make fun of dead kids, but it was just, it, it was so shocking to see that commercial in the, in, the, in the Super Bowl lineup that you had to, that you thought that there might have been some sort of twist or something at the end. Uh, but no, it, it just ended on a on a very very sad note, which was interesting. Uh, the, the people I was with, the room I was in, watching the Super Bowl, and there was maybe a dozen, a little less than a dozen people watching, uh, just went silent, and everybody just started complaining about what we had just watched. And there and there were more sad or or not funny commercials. Uh, than I could ever remember. A lot of commercials with people that had had no legs, uh, and then obviously the the domestic abuse commercial, which oh, you know, all that stuff. It, it, it's serious, you know. It's not like uh, there's not a time and, and a place for those types of you know commercials, I, I guess. But you know, becoming aware. I just don't know if the Super Bowl is, is that time or place when people are expecting to have a good laugh uh the the reactions to people to the nationwide commercial on twitter have been uh, just have been great people complaining i I mean not not great not all around great but it's the backlash has been great and i'm I'm happy to see people getting on board with that Uh, just uh, the thousands of people have tweeted nationwide just saying how their kids started crying after seeing that commercial. I, 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 again, I just don't know what you're thinking when, when you run something like that during the Super Bowl. Yates, what was your favorite commercial? My favorite commercial, and after I, afterward I was talking to Trevor about it, and he didn't see it, and that made me think that I don't even know if it actually aired during the Super Bowl. I think it maybe only aired before, but the Mountain Dew Kickstart commercial was phenomenal. Yes, Yes, that was mine too. That was my favorite, and it did air just before, and it it was like the it was the first commercial after. Uh, so that those that was my probably my favorite one, and there were some other good ones. Uh, the avocado one was random, uh, but but entertaining. Um, but yes, the the Mountain Dew one was my favorite. It was hilarious. I liked that one. My favorite the the game was awesome. And had the game not been good, I think a lot more people would be talking about the nationwide commercial and and all the crazy things that happened and all away from football. But what'd you make of Katy Perry's halftime show, Yates? <laughs> uh, I mean, it was entertaining. I thought I don't. I didn't have a problem with it. I don't listen to Katy Perry on the regular and, unless I just have the you know FM radio on and a Katy Perry song comes on and I, there's nothing else on. But overall, I thought it was entertaining. Um, Lenny Kravitz was all right. Missy Elliott was good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't have any problems with it. I, I think if you were in Colorado or Washington, that halftime show might have been it, a little much for it, you. It, yeah, that, yeah. But the, the <laughs> obviously, I'm sure now that you're a Twitter pro, you've seen all the fuss about the left shark during the halftime commercial or <laughs> halftime show. I have seen that, yes. That I, I mean, I watching those vines and the videos. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, if you watched the halftime show when Katy Perry was dancing with the beach balls, which were unbelievably creepy, in uh, the in the sharks, which were creepy in, in itself, uh, there there's one there's one little 
a scene where they have a you know synchronized dance and the shark to the left of Katy Perry uh, viewing her right, but when you're watching on the left, just at some point loses control of where they're at in the dance or just doesn't know what's going on. So he, he kind of improvises and it is, it's just, it's great. I mean, it is the funniest thing. Uh, the One of the more entertaining things of, of the night. And that's saying something with how great of the football game it was. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about the X's and O's of the game and the, uh, the decision by Pete Carroll. We'll talk about that with, with Jonathan, my brother, in the second segment. Uh, but, man, that was fantastic. And all in all, it was just a very – for obviously, as a Packers fan, I'd much rather Green Bay be playing in that. Uh, but if, if I couldn't watch my favorite team – at least I was very, very entertained with four hours, four and a half hours, however long it was, all that television. It was made for great TV, the most watched Super Bowl, most tweeted about Super Bowl. Just a, a, a great night in the NFL, which has had a very, very rough season. Can go out on a, on a semi-high note, I suppose. Uh, again, we'll talk more about all that in the second segment. The... Uh, Louisville City football team releases its released its schedule today, and I didn't really realize how long it was. We'll start at home March 28th, which is the same day as the regional finals uh, for the Midwest and maybe the West. Definitely the Midwest, though, and it's, there's a very good chance that Kentucky will be seeded in the Midwest. Uh, but that will be when Louisville City kicks off its first ever game at Louisville Slugger Field. They'll be taking on St. Louis, another new team. Uh, but the entire schedule released today. I didn't realize how long the season went. It, it goes from March, I think, into September. Um, it, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to act like I know if their quality of schedule is good or bad. But they do have a, a home game on Fourth of July night, which I which I think could be a very fun event for Louisville fans to. Go out, watch soccer, cheer on your city, maybe have a few cold ones, and then likely watch fireworks down there. Uh, I'm sure it was probably a, a semi-difficult schedule to put together with the bats and when they're in town and when they're not in town and and all that. Uh, but exciting news there, and, and, and when we're not so busy, maybe we'll spend a little bit more time talking about that. Uh, but that that's some news that came out today. Some more news, Trey Lyles. Kentucky freshman will not will likely not play against Georgia. I, I would feel very confident in saying that he won't. It, it seems uh, every quote that you're getting, it, it seems semi-serious. Uh, some of the players haven't even seen him around. John Calipari, after the Alabama game on Saturday, said that he was pretty sick. And didn't didn't sound overly optimistic about him coming back anytime soon. So it, it could be a could be a serious illness uh, going out with Trey Lyles that that could force him to miss an extended amount of time. Obviously, you know, it didn't really matter uh, against Alabama. It shouldn't matter as much against Georgia at home. But on the road, it, Trey Lyles has been a good player. He's been a good player all season. Uh, and it's just it would be another option that Kentucky wouldn't have, and it, it, people forget about this. But if Trey Lyles is out more than just a few games, that is two very significant players not playing for Kentucky. 
and Alex Poitras, again, I, uh, I think most people had kind of moved on from the Alex Poitras injury. But he, he's still missing. He's still not playing. You still lose a, a high-energy guy that can dunk anything and, and is a very good defender. And now you're missing the a, a, a guy that – two threes, really, the two guys that played on the wings and Trey Lyles if he's going to be out a little bit. So while you look at it, and Trey Lyles might not be the, the anchor for this Kentucky team, it is a significant loss if he's going to be out an extended amount of time. And, and it's been – some bad luck for Kentucky. So we'll have to monitor that and, and see when he is healthy. But it, it seemed that it, it does seem that he's going to at least be out the Georgia game. And, and if you can read between the lines, it, it could also stretch into the Florida game. And not having Trey Lyles for that game would be incredibly tough. And it's going to be a little, it, it, it's probably Kentucky's most difficult stretch of the season coming up right now. Again, the Georgia game on Tuesday shouldn't be overwhelming for Kentucky, but Georgia's an okay team. But then you go to Florida, you go to LSU, you get a little break with South Carolina coming to town on Valentine's Day, and then you go to Tennessee. Three of the tougher road trips in the conference. Again, will Trey Lyles be out February 17th, which is over two weeks away? We don't know. But if I were to bet, I, I think he'd be out Florida and LSU. So it's not good news for Kentucky there. Uh, what what Kentucky has to have happen, you have to have your other guards step up and, and you play uh, you play three guards. You play three guards and then you have two centers play the four and the five. And Kentucky's been doing that a, a lot of the season anyways, whether it's Dakari Johnson with Carl Anthony Towns or Willie Cauley-Stein with one of those two. But now you might have the Harrisons playing with Devin Booker, the Harrisons playing with Tyler Uless, uh, and uh, any combination of those three guys. The good news for Kentucky is all four of those guys, very talented. Dominique Hawkins could get a few more minutes now. I would have figured Derek Willis would have played a bit more against Alabama but didn't leave the bench. So other guys are just going to have to step up for Kentucky, but there's no two ways around it. It's 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 a big loss for UK. The Cats need him to be healthy as soon as possible and, and continue to mesh as a team, as a unit, with all their guys that are going to get significant minutes heading into the back half of conference play. And in that game with Alabama, uh, against Missouri, one of my friends who has worked in, in sports – Tweeted that, and he's a Kentucky fan, but he, he's worked all around the country. Tweeted that he, he he loves Kentucky basketball, but couldn't get over how boring this Kentucky team is to watch. And I almost thought I, I could retweet him. Uh, just some UK fans would kind of jump on him because it's kind of a ridiculous thing to say. Uh, but granted, with the Missouri game and the South Carolina game, and then certainly this Alabama game. It has not been the prettiest of basketball, and quite the contrary. It's been just flat-out ugly. I don't think that's Kentucky's fault. I could be wrong there. But I think a large part of that is teams are just going to start playing very physical to a point where they just 
it's not even it's 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 almost not even basketball at this point. And I, you know, I guess I understand it. If you're completely overwhelmed talent-wise and, and can't, not even close to closing that gap, are you going to get beat by 30 by trying to go toe-to-toe? But teams also have to understand that if you're going to play, if you're going to play that physical, you're going to muddy up the game. You don't have a good chance beating Kentucky because you're going to have a very you have a very slim chance of scoring 60 points. So it, it it isn't the most fun basketball to watch. Again, I don't feel it's Kentucky's fault. I think when you've seen Kentucky play good teams for the most part, you've had some semi-entertaining games. Louisville was a, a defensive game, but it wasn't it wasn't super ugly. It wasn't a ton of fouls. Texas, there were there were a bunch of fouls in that game, and that was not super fun to watch. But against UNC, that was an up-and-down game, a clean game. Kansas, obviously, a clean game. And they did try to go toe-to-toe with Kentucky, and it, it backfired early on in the season. But it might just be Kentucky fans just might have to buckle up and take pride in wins and maybe not style a play because – you can't you can't get tempo. You can't get any rhythm when you're getting fouled every every two seconds. And then if the refs are are going to call fouls, they're going to have to try to even up the the foul count and the stat sheet. So they're a little strict on what Kentucky can get away with. So it goes back and forth, and it's not fun to watch. I, I expect we'll see more of the same with Georgia tomorrow night. And certainly, maybe in the road games, looming. But it, it it will be a very interesting stretch again. Without Trey Lyles, it could be hard. Cats could certainly drop one. And right now, UK the only undefeated team. Virginia going down to Duke. It'll be interesting to see if Kentucky can keep this going, or or if they will slip up. And and there was a lot of undefeated talk after the Alabama game because news had broke it broke that. Virginia had lost to Duke, and and it was so bizarre hearing the Rupp Arena crowd cheer to that when they just flashed the score. I I would have never imagined Kentucky fans would cheer so wildly for a Duke win, Uh, but they did. So there's a lot of undefeated talk, and credit to Kentucky. Everybody, everybody that they brought out, which was Carl Anthony Towns, Marcus Lee, Aaron Harrison, and of course, John Calipari, they all dismissed it in their own way. So it, it, it didn't seem that UK and, you know, there's so much training with the media before every time there's an interview, uh, people at Kentucky will tell UK players what not to say, what not to touch on. But all these were different answers, and a lot of the players hadn't known that Virginia had lost and that Kentucky was the only undefeated team. But they did a great job of dismissing the importance of being undefeated at this season, at this part of the season. Basically said it means nothing. They say it's nice, but they only care about winning a national title, which ultimately should be should be the goal. But an ugly game against Alabama. Kentucky's bigs are continuing to play well, so that's important. Uh, disappointing, per, uh, uh, yes, 
your leading scorer, Carl Anthony Towns, at 12 points. I'm going to call that a disappointing performance when you score all 12 early in the second or early in the first half and, and, and throughout the half. You start out very hot and don't do anything in the second half. Nice to see some production from the bigs, but you, you can't only play one half if, if you're if you're trying to compete for playing time and and trying to remain on the court. Only ended up playing 15 minutes. So we're going to come back. We're going to talk more about the Super Bowl, Pete Carroll's decision, why it was an awful, awful decision, and why Pete Carroll saved Bill Belichick from from being in the negative light in terms of coaching decisions. We're going to talk about that with uh, my brother who was at the Super Bowl, who took it all in after the break. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We'll be right back. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here. Second segment, 1450, the Sports Buzz. Let's waste no time all the way out in Phoenix, Arizona. My brother, Jonathan Walker, who's been on this show before and hosted before. Jonathan, how are you? Oh, man, I am, uh, I am recovering. I'm doing okay, though. How are you? Super Bowl with a super hangover? Yeah, it's it's rough right now. I just got into the airport, um, past security, and now I'm just kind of resting. Yeah, I, I saw some of your Snapchats and uh, texts to the family. It, it seemed like a good time. You had great seats. Uh, it, I'm unbelievably jealous, and I talked about this early on in the show. But uh, explain to me the the process, the what what all took place in terms of attending a Super Bowl, uh, what it was like. How early did you get there? How expensive was food? How expensive were beers? Uh, and you saw maybe one of the better Super Bowls of all time. Uh, kind of walk me through everything. Well, I have to say with this caveat that it's, my situation was very different than the normal fan going because I had my friend works for the NFL Network, so I was able to get free tickets. Um, I got like backstage passes, uh, this awesome pre-Super Bowl, like pre-game party. I was doing that. Um, it was amazing. I mean, everything was really cool. We had a bus take us to the stadium at about noon. So we got out there, and they had like Gavin DeGraw, Dirks Bentley playing at this uh, pre-game party. They had um, – it was just really cool. All you can eat, all you can drink, that was all free. Um, what else? I'm trying to think of – I mean, it was just amazing. I mean, I would never go out there and pay for that because the cheapest ticket, I mean, was like five five to ten grand, I think, is what I was hearing. I mean, I know that's a wide gap, but, I mean, the tickets were unbelievably expensive. Um, beers were about 10 to 12 bucks, I think. and uh, But it was amazing. I mean, the game was great. It, it seemed like a, a pro Seattle crowd. Who did you find yourself cheering for? Were you around mostly Seattle fans, mostly New England fans? What was kind of the makeup of that crowd and, and the atmosphere? You've been to Final Fours before. How did this rank with that? 
Oh, my gosh. I mean, it just blew. The, I've been to the Final Four. I've been to the Ryder Cup, um, several other things. I went to the U.S. Open out here in Phoenix. Uh, this just blew it out of the water. I mean, there's nothing like the Super Bowl. The, uh, the atmosphere, it's just like you always hear people say it's like an electric atmosphere, but, I mean, it was literally like you got chills. And those fighter jets flew over the top right after the national anthem, and, like, we didn't expect that. And they were so loud, and, like, five of them just shot across, and you just felt, like, so much patriotism. It was it was really cool, and I would recommend that anyone should go to that game. I mean, I know it's really expensive, but if you can get, like, a ticket for, like, a 1000 bucks or 1200 bucks, then I would recommend going just to say, you know, it's a bucket list item. Yeah, I, I think any... I, the way you describe it, it, it seems like it, it might be it might be worth all that money to to pony up and and to be able to go and it certainly doesn't hurt to be in Glendale, Arizona, and and, and, and around Phoenix. But uh, what was what was the reaction at the during? Okay, first, what was the reaction during the halftime show? I know you probably didn't have as good as a view as maybe the TV audience, uh, but it, it, it and you know, you might also had a few beers in you, but uh, that was a very bizarre okay. halftime show. I know you're not the biggest Katy Perry fan, uh, but what would you make of the whole performance? Well, it was good. I mean, she's, I'm not the biggest Katy Perry fan, but she put on a good show, and I'm not sure. I thought Lenny Kravitz was supposed to be there, but I never really heard him. Did he ever go out there? <laughs> he, was, he was out there. He was out there for a short time, and then uh, there was Missy Elliott out there as well. Okay, yeah, that was I, I did see Missy Elliott, so I wasn't that <laughs> inebriated. But um, it was uh, it was a great show. And you asked about the fans; it was probably three to one Seahawks fans, and I'd say they were they were a rowdy bunch. And after the game, I mean, of course, the Patriots fans were really excited, but the crowd was really somber because it was mostly Seahawks fans, and they were just devastated. I mean, I felt bad for them. You know, I didn't really have a dog in the fight. But um, I really thought they should have won that game, and they, if they would have just handed the ball to Marshawn Lynch. I know that's what everybody's saying, but that's, that's what they needed to do there. We were shocked. I mean, when they threw that pick, I, we couldn't believe it. Well, it looked like you had end zone seats at that game, and you say you don't have a dog in the fight. Our, our dad is a Patriots fan, but, but that's neither here nor there. But were, you, were your end zone seats, was that coming at you that last play, or was it on the opposite side of the field? Uh, unfortunately, they were on the opposite side of the field. Oh, uh, sounds like a terrible we, experience. Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. But and, uh, well, it was interesting too. I had some Mormons that were uh, some Mormons that were next to me, so they weren't drinking at all. So they probably thought we were we were out of control in their eyes. I think that, that's that would be an interesting place if you were a Mormon to 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 go. I, I don't know if if I imagine that the the majority of the crowd was a pretty drunk group, but. Uh, take take me through that last possession by the Seahawks. Uh, obviously, a pro Seattle crowd. The uh, how loud was it, and then how what was the mood swing like when Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson excuse me threw that interception? Well, when that uh, it was Matthews that made that amazing catch, right? It, it was it was Curse. Uh, Matthews had a great great game, but uh, uh, it was Curse who made that catch. Okay, when he made that catch, we were we were shocked because I, I, like, turned my head from the play. I thought the play was over. And so, like, there was a delayed reaction because I think the crowd didn't catch on that he caught it until, you know, a couple seconds went by and people were like, oh, my gosh, it, you know, that was an amazing catch. And then when they got down there, I mean, the, it was extremely loud. 
Um, and I just thought they were going to run it in there. And then to throw that pass, I mean, that was, I don't know. It was crazy. I felt bad for those fans. I really did. Well, it, 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 I know that you're not a, a huge Packers fan, but obviously you're aware that the majority of your family is. I, I can I can tell you how that feeling was just two weeks ago to have a game where it seemed like you had the win and then it, it, it slipped out of your hands. But uh, it, it sounds like you had an, a great weekend. Everybody here, family back at home, is very jealous of what uh, you were able to experience this week. But uh, thanks for coming on and kind of explaining how everything went and detailing your trip, uh, it making me a bit more envious. But safe travels back home, Jonathan, and I'll talk to you when you get here. All right. Thanks for having me on. I'll see you soon. All right. And again, that's my brother, who is not a, a sports journalist or somebody that covers a team or uh, does anything that regarding NFL but he was able to go out there and, and, and kind of de- and it was fun to kind of hear the details of his trip. Uh, he was lucky to be able to have maybe some access that the normal fan didn't have. Uh, but I, I think you heard it from him. If you ever, ever have a chance to go to a Super Bowl, even if you've got to put down some cash, uh, it, it, it sounds like an experience unlike any other. To say that it was drastically and, and significantly better than a Ryder Cup, a Final Four, and, and all these other championship moments that I think that says something. Uh, so glad he was able to come on and, and detail it. And I'm sure he, uh, you know, being there, you don't get a, you don't get the replays and you don't get the analysis and uh, you, you miss out on that a little bit, but I think that's a, a small price to pay. And, and let's talk a little bit about that, that final possession, because if not for Russell Wilson's interception, I honestly believe that Bill Belichick goes down as making a a huge, huge, huge mistake. Uh, You've got two timeouts there, and the Seahawks run the ball. They run the ball to the one. The clock keeps ticking. I I think the ball was spotted with around 50 seconds, Uh, and obviously the Seahawks are just going to chew up that clock. They're down four. They've got a second down, and – Obviously, plenty of time to run two plays. Why would you not call a timeout there if you're Bill Belichick? And while that was going on, it was almost given that we were going that that the Patriots were going to concede a touchdown. And you and you thought, okay, well, how much time is that going to leave Tom Brady to march down the field, get in field goal range, and send this puppy to overtime? But you don't call a timeout. I, I, I thought that was an absolutely huge mistake. I, I, to, to rely on your defense in that situation where you have, you're going against maybe the most powerful running back in the league, all he's got to get is one yard. Had Pete Carroll and the Seahawks made the right decision to give Marsha, Marshawn Lynch the ball, today everybody's talking about how big of a mistake it was for Belichick not to call a timeout there. For, for what it's worth, uh, and credit SportsCenter for tweeting this out earlier, Marshawn Lynch, during the regular season, ran the ball from the one-yard line five times, scored once. I, I saw that, but come on, Yates. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that 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 should scare you away from giving him the ball there, but, I mean, it's not the, the slam dunk that everybody's making it out to be. 
it, it is a slam dunk. It, it's the smart play. It's the only play you can make down there. And, and, and not just because of how great Marshawn Lynch is as a power back. And, okay, he, he had been stopped in some meaningless games uh, at the goal line. Not meaningless, but regular season games where, you know, maybe it was first down. Uh, when Marshawn Lynch has to get a yard and is set and determined to get that yard, he's going to get that yard. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to get that yard. But away from that, away from that, you don't run it to Marshawn Lynch, which is just silly, one, because of how great he is, but two, I'm at the point where Russell Wilson's just an uh, uh, average to mediocre quarterback. He is. He is. He, he, He doesn't make tough throws. Now he, he, you know, sometimes he'll he'll make good throws. He'll make good throws in one-on-one coverage and let his wide receiver do the work. And and, and you know, you obviously have to be able to put it in the general area. But why why do you trust him in that situation to make a throw? And if you are going to throw, that's what you decide to do. And I, and I, you know, the pick play—that's what everybody does. That's like the the most common play now to do on the goal line. It cost Notre Dame a chance to beat Florida State, and you see it everywhere. And credit to New England for knowing it and jumping on it and, and making, again, one of the bigger plays in Super Bowl history. But if you're going to throw it to the end zone, first off, when you throw, and this is why it's the wrong decision, when you throw, you bring losing into the equation. Marshawn Lynch isn't going to fumble the ball. If you want to give it, hand it off to Turbin, which I don't know why you'd ever do that, he's not going to fumble the ball. If you want to do a QB sneak with Russell Wilson, I trust him a lot more to hold on to the ball too. When you decide to let that ball leave Russell Wilson's hand, you bring losing a Super Bowl, a world championship into the equation, and good for Seattle that it worked out that way. Good. I was so, so happy. You make dumb decisions, you deserve to lose games. And the Seahawks deserved to lose that game. They might outplay New England for the majority, at least for three quarters. But good, you deserve to lose. And I'm happy they did. If you're going to pass the ball again and, and bring in the chance to lose a Super Bowl, at least throw a fade where nobody else is going to get it. I, Chris Matthews is not Calvin Johnson. He's not Andre Johnson. He had a hell of a Super Bowl. But if you want to throw it there, why not throw a fade up to him? He's obviously bigger than anybody New England had in the secondary, any cornerback that was going to line up opposite of him. Why not try one? He was in a, he was in a zone, the former Cat was. But instead, you throw it to the middle of the field. And again, it was open. If you look at the replays and the frame-by-frame shots, it was there. But you bring losing into the equation. You allow the defense to make a play, and they did just that. And, Yates, I know you, you brought up that stat, and it is an interesting stat. It's, it, it's a little surprising. I think most people would agree. But here's the worst-case scenario in that situation. You, you get a third down, Yates, and I would run it right again on third down. Worst-case scenario there, you get a fourth down. And there, depending on the situation, I would absolutely run it again. But even then, when it comes to fourth down and one with, you know, probably 
seconds left or however much time, maybe two seconds, it, it likely would have been the last play of the game. Even then, if you want to pass it there, then okay, because if you don't convert, it, it's win or lose. One way or the other, you got to find a way to get that ball over the goal line. Running it on second down is the safe and smart play. Again, I know everybody's talking about how how bad of a decision it was. I have seen way too many people support the decision or, or at least comprehend it. There's no, there's no comprehension for it. Huge mistake by Pete Carroll. And if you heard his explanation afterwards, he knows it's a mistake. He absolutely knows it is because he's, he's not making any sense in his explanations. That's the only reasonable... <laughs> And you almost wish that he would just say, yeah, it was dumb. It was stupid. We shouldn't have done that. Clebby116 says that Kaepernick fumbled the ball at the goal line to lose the game. Well, that's Colin Kaepernick. That's not Marshawn Lynch, the best running back in the NFL, in my opinion. Different scenario. You give it to Lynch. You give it to Lynch every every play. And for me, I, I did think the Seahawks would win. And again, they probably should have won. But I, I was so happy to see the Patriots win. And I know a lot of people don't like the Patriots. Deflate Gate and Belichick probably is a cheater. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. But uh, he, he's a great coach. I mean, he finds ways to win one way or the other. Tom Brady's obviously will go down as one of the best quarterbacks of all time, if not the best. But for for Seattle to lose in that fashion, it really did really did make me happy. It, it, Yates, it, I tweeted this out, but it reminded me of Game of Thrones, which we're not too far away, Yates. But it reminded me when Ned Stark died. Just he's such a good guy. Yeah, he might have made some mistakes, but he didn't deserve it. And, and you were so angry. You had to live with it for a few seasons. For me, just two weeks. On the back of your mind. And then finally, when Joffrey died, you you, you came to peace a little bit. You smiled and, and you thought about everybody that had been affected, and especially old Ned, going all the way back. And so when the Seahawks went down, the defending Super Bowl champs, I, I had that moment where I felt that there was a, a bit of justice. Man, that's a... That's a, a heavy take there comparing the Seahawks to Joffrey. It's the Seattle Seahawks are the Joffrey of the NFL. Wow. They, you know, I, I actually, I, I like Pete Carroll, and I, I think he's a good coach. But, I don't know, it's, there, 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 there are a lot of unlikable guys on the Seahawks. Sherman celebrating when they were up 24 to 14. It just it made me, and yes, he was, he was playing with a bunch of injuries, and, uh, he's he's obviously a very talented and great player. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But it's just everything that he's done and how much he, and how outlandish he's been. Marshawn Lynch 
talking about how much he doesn't want attention, but then in result bringing a lot more attention to him when it didn't have to be that way. And I think Marshawn Lynch is a fine guy. He had a great answer after the game about not getting the ball on the goal line, and he's always very complimentary of his linemen. I, I think he's a fine guy. I think he goes about not wanting to talk to the media the entire wrong way. And then you saw the Seahawks pick a fight with the Patriots after when the when New England was closing out the game. It it just it warmed my heart a little bit, Yates. I was able to sleep easy last night. But anyways, we're gonna head to our last commercial break. We'll come up, wrap up the Super Bowl talk. Got a few more tweets and texts that I, I will try to remem- remember to get to. And we're gonna talk some college basketball. Two days away from National Signing Day, we'll focus and the Cats lost another commit today. Uh, but we'll talk more about that probably tomorrow. Uh, but stick around, one last segment, 1450 the sports buzz. You're listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back. One final segment here, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Brother was texting me during the break saying he forgot to mention that he went to the Phoenix Open and he wanted to talk about that. He's done bragging about his trip out west. I've heard and seen enough now. He compared that to the Kentucky Derby infield. Just, it's not fair. It's not fair. And during the the break, Yates sent me some a fun little link. Yates, did you get a, a chance to watch the Puppy Bowl? No, I did not. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> I, it started at three. And uh, it, it was on at, at the apartment for a little bit. They, they take an unbelievable amount of commercials for it being the Puppy Bowl. I, I guess enough people watch, but whatever. Uh, and and they, 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 they make a, the puppies on teams. They put one dog on one team and they put another dog on the other. The, the teams are meaningless as far as I know. I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched five minutes. Teams are meaningless. One of the teams was rough. Uh, the other team might have been tough or something. or It was something something stupid. Uh, and they put the dogs on teams, and they put them in this big stadium-like cage and give them a bunch of toys and have a ref in there. And it, I, I don't know. You, the more I talk about it out loud, it's, it's just kind of weird. Uh, but they... they Give the dogs, dogs have names, which, you know, most dogs do. They give them positions, and they, they, don't, they don't play their positions. Animal Planet's a bunch of liars. But as you sent me, Yates, and I didn't see this part of the show because they switch out teams every quarter, which, again, they don't do that in football, a bunch of liars. But one of the dogs, a boxer mix named Lee, who's a few months old, they, they tell you a little something about the dogs, which, again, are lies. But Lee, his, his bio said 
he felt betrayed when Patino went to Louisville. That's interesting that that would make Animal Planet and, and the Puppy Bowl. I don't know if Lee is a dog from Kentucky or what Lee's story was, but for that to be his bio and people have a screenshot of it, that's pretty interesting. But again, I, I, I question how a dog that's 14 weeks old can remember something that happened in 2000, 2001. There's no explanation for it. But a funny little side note. Uh, some minor breaking news that I, had, I, I saw from every Kentucky fan's favorite, Jerry Tipton, over the, over the commercial break. Georgia will be without leading scorer Marcus Thornton. Very, very, very talented player. That's a, a huge blow for Georgia if they were to upset Kentucky at Rupp. I, I virtually, there, there's virtually no chance now. We'll talk more about this game tomorrow and some of the X's and O's. Cats are without Trey Lyles, which is a big loss. Again, it, it is. There's no way to reason around it, but it's not quite as big as a loss as losing Marcus Thornton for Georgia. So he'll be out. Uh, should make Tuesday's game maybe a, a bit more comfortable for Kentucky, but the longer he's out, not good news for UK. I, I, I'm not going to say that they're going to lose a game, but those games could be a lot tougher. And one thing Kentucky's been able to avoid this year is if a player has a bad game, it really, really disrupts the team because John Calipari has such has the luxury of putting guys on the bench. Well, now you're out Alex Poitras. You're going to be out Trey Lyles maybe an extended amount of time. Now now players that are having bad games might have to either play through it, turn it around, or it could possibly sink UK. So something to keep an eye on. A big win for Louisville. I didn't get enough time to talk about that against UNC. Uh, it, it, it could. We'll have to monitor it, but it could be a, a season-changing win. Those Sometimes wins like that at home or on the road, but sometimes wins like that where you turn things around in a hurry, those can have long-lasting effects. You can also have season-changing losses as well for the positive or the negative. But we'll see. We'll monitor if that's the, the little kick that Louisville needed. Montrose Harrell's dunk was great. Everybody's talking about it. It was fantastic. If he wants to yell and do all his Montrez Harrell nonsense after a dunk, I think he's more than entitled to do it after that one. But tough stretch. Duke beating Virginia. I, I Not surprised. I, I, I think when Duke is keyed in on a game, they're really, really tough to beat. Yes, they lost to Notre Dame earlier in the week, and that was a big game. But they win at Louisville. They win at Wisconsin. Now they win at Virginia. At this point today, I would I would be surprised if Kentucky or Duke didn't win the national title. I would take the Blue Devils or the Cats against the field. It's not a good bet. It's not a bet that 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 you should feel super safe about if you're on my side. But I, I do think that those are the two best teams in college basketball. How often do the best teams win in college basketball? Not a lot. Kentucky, Louisville were able to do it, but UConn's two past national championship teams, far from the best. But I, but I do think we, I think Duke and Kentucky, without, without a doubt, 
will be cutting down the nets in April. The, the next nine weeks, however long it is, next eight to ten weeks of college basketball are going to be awesome. We're getting close to the best time of the year. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for my brother, Jonathan Walker, coming on, talking about a Super Bowl experience, really rubbing it all in our faces. It was fun. We'll be back tomorrow, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Thanks for listening. They say welcome to the 502 Take a Georgia boy and show him how Kentucky do Uncle Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue They say don't forget 270, be hitting two Song call it bluegrass, song call it purple I'ma call it home, take a shot of Tron Lay back in the lap and take two to the dome Riding from the bill to BG in my zone Let me hear you say high time Sitting by the river, got my old shotgun fishing pole